Romans 4 and verse 17. I want to talk about foundations of faith. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of the foundation. God laid him in Zion. And if you got the right foundation, everything else would be all right. And so I want to talk about four or five things of foundations of faith. Here in verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Here's the first foundation of faith, right here. You know what it is? It is written. It is written. Don't need no more than that, does it? <laughs> God said, you know, it is written. It is written. You know, when our Lord Jesus Christ was on the Mount of Temptation, he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And about the, the last day when he was in that wilderness, hadn't eaten drank, drank anything, Satan came to him. And he showed he was hungry. And he said, if you be the Son of God... See these stones right here? Turn them to bread. Go ahead and eat. You know you're hungry. Turn them to bread. You can. If you're a son of God, you can do that. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, It is written, A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Well, he said, Well, I'll do what I'm going to do. He said, I'll take it. I'll put him up on this great big temple. And he put him way up on this big pinnacle. And, you know, Satan's a liar. He couldn't do this. But anyway, he's a liar. He took Christ up there and they said on that pinnacle. He said, now, if you be the son of God, throw yourself off. Throw yourself off. He said, it's written that he said, you know, it says that his angels will give charge over you and you won't dash your foot against the stone. Our Lord Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So our three times our, they kept Satan come to him and three times our Lord said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that's what we live by, it is written, what God says. You know, everything about this blessed book, and I've said all the time, with whatever God says, it's right. I don't, my mother-in-law used to say this, she said, I, I don't know very much about the Bible, but what I don't know, but I believe every word that's in it. I believe everything there is about it. And, and you know, here's the thing. You know, if, and I said this last night. If you put a question mark on one place in the Bible, who's going to be the one to put that question mark? You know, the Bible tells us about who created, why he created, who he created it for. It tells us about how we're saved, who saves us, how long we're going to be saved. It tells us everything we need to know. It is written. It is written. And I'll tell you what the scripture says, and that's what the first foundation of our faith is, is it is written. It's written. You know what? Paul said that oftentimes in his writings. It's a, it is written. It is written. It is written. And our Lord Jesus himself quoted from Isaiah more than any other book in the Bible while he was on this earth. He quoted from Isaiah. And how many times did he say it is written? 
it is written. And I'll tell you, and that's, that, that's the only thing I need to know is what God said. If God said it, people say, well, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. No, it settles it whether you believe it or not. You know, when people say, well, I don't, there was a woman, she just died, and, and uh, there were some dear folks in our church live, and she died, and they was, you know, going through all the stuff, cleaning out her house and things for her. And uh, her and her husband was brilliant. I mean, they were brilliant. They read books that I can't even pronounce the names of them. You know, they was just, you know, they're smart. And uh, but she said, I believe the Bible, but I don't believe all of it. Well, I tell you what, I believe every single word in it. You know, you know why God put the genealogies in the Bible? You ever wonder why that was said? So and so begat so and so and begat so and so and so and so begat so and so and so begat so. You know why he done that? So he could show in genealogy who Jesus Christ was born, who he, what genealogy he come through, and what family he come through, and how he come into this world that he would be a king. He'd be a son of Abraham. He'd be a son of Jacob. He'd be a son of Isaac. And that, and then how some of the people he'd be related to. You know our Lord Jesus had a harlot in his genealogy? Rahab? You know he had Ruth in his genealogy? That one who said, listen, I gotta go out here, I'm so poor, I gotta go out and pick up little bitty pieces of grain just to eat and to live. And then he met a, she, there's a fellow there named Boaz gonna be her husband. He said, see that maiden right there? Every time you see her in the field, when she gets close, you get your great big hand and you lay it right down in front of her. <laughs> and so you say, those are the things we learn and that's why God wrote the genealogies. So everybody could know who Christ is and that's why the Jews, they said, well, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Galilee? No prophets come from here. But they missed Christ because they're looking for him in the wrong places. Our Lord Jesus says this. He, he says, you know, you search the scriptures and there they which testify of me. You search them, but you can't find me. And people search the scriptures. You know, you search them and you, you know, they're there to testify of me. And they said, but oh my. You, and, and so the first foundation is it is written. Here's the second one. Here in verse 1, verse 17 is good. I have made thee. Here's the second. I have made thee. I made thee. (laughs) You know what that tells us? That God does it all. God said, I made you. I made you. I made you who you are. I made you what you are. I made you everything that is done. God hath done it. I made you, Abraham. I made you. I make everything. He said, I made Christ to be sin for you who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I have made thee. I have made, I made a, a, he's made after the the law. He was made under the, the seed of the woman. He was made. And I tell you, it's what God has done. Everything that there is about us, God did it. I believe, you know, who had ever thought when I was first born, when I was, I was looking back there and they started this building September 67. I just got out of boot camp 
in San Diego, California as a Marine in 1967. <laughs> you know, I may not have been out of boot camp. See, it's eight weeks. But I went there in September, uh, August, and got out sometime in no, uh, October, November. But anyway, to make a long story short, God, who would ever think that I, one of these days that I would have been saved by the grace of God and called to be a preacher and called to be a pastor? Who would ever thunk that? I would have never entered my mind. But he said, I've made thee. I formed you in your belly before you was ever thought of it. Jeremiah said, I've formed you in the belly. I made you a prophet. I ordained you a prophet before you was ever formed in your belly. I made you. I made you. And I'll tell you people, and this is what we say all the time. I am what I am. God, by his blessed grace, made me what I am. Let me show you something in Psalm 103. Look over here in Psalm, verse, Psalm 100 and look in verse 3. Psalm 100 and verse 3. Look what it says over here. Look in verse 3 here. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Listen to this now. It is he that hath made us. <laughs> Not ourselves. <laughs> oh, my. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. He said, I made you. We're his sheep. The people. He made us. He made us to be sheep. Not goats. He made us to be his people. He made us to be his elect. He made us to be his chosen. He made us to be people that he loved before the foundation of the world. He hath made us. We did not make ourselves. And that's, you know, free will religion. And, and, and People who believe in free will, they make that to be the most powerful force in the world. Do you know that? They, free will says this, that God can't save me unless I let him. Free will says that God can't, God can't do anything for me unless I let him. I can't let, you know, open your heart and let him in. Now let me ask you, how in the world does somebody open their heart? But here's the thing, that that's what people say. They say, you know, if you'll open your heart, Jesus will come in. If you, if you, if, 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 you know, if you just exercise, when God gives you your chance, if you just exercise that faith, if you'll just exercise faith. Well, you can't exercise something you ain't got. Faith is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I tell you, it's God that made us. And he's the one that made us to be new creatures. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I mean, God made you a new creature. And what is a new creature? New creation. Old things passed away. What passed away? Sin passed away. Death passed away. Self-righteousness passed away. Self-confidence passed away. False hope passed away. Oh, listen, the law passed away. Everything, all our self-confidence, all the things that we trusted in passed away. And all things become new. God made, you know what the first thing he done for you when he gave, made you new? First thing he done, he gave you a new heart. He took out the, he said, I'll take out the stony heart. And he gave us a new heart. He said, I'll give you a new heart. 
And you know what else he said? And I'll cleanse you and I'll give you a new spirit. I'll give you my spirit. So we're made new creatures. We got, listen, we got new loves. I didn't love Christ until I was made a new creature. I didn't believe the Bible until I was made a new creature. I didn't believe, I believe I was as, as good as anybody until I was made a new creature. I got a new mind, got a new will. You know, when God saves a man, he saves every part of that man. He don't leave no part of that man the son saved. Your mind, he takes your mind that was darkened and he turns on the light in there. Now that, that mind can see things that it never could see before. He gives you a new mind. He gives you eyes to see that you couldn't ever see before. You see things that, I don't know how many people say, well, I see it now. <laughs> oh, I see it, preacher. He gives you new ears. You hear things you never heard before. He gives you a new heart. And you love things you never loved before. Gives you a new will. And now everybody here is here because they're willing to be here. Anybody here because they're unwilling to be here? Everybody's here because they're willing to be here. Where'd you get that will? In a new creature. I mean, he saved us all. He saved every part of our, our being. He saved, you know, we have all, you know, we're supposed to have five senses. Well, we have five senses in the spiritual realm. And when God gives a man new life and he gives him, makes him a new creature, he brings into existence a person who never existed before. Do you know that? He bring, when God saves a man he, and gives him a new birth and gives him new life and makes him a new creature, he brings into existence someone who never existed before. And that's that new man. That's that new creature. That's that new, that's that new person. You know, our Lord says, well, he that's born of the flesh is flesh. But he that's born of the spirit is spiritual. And I tell you what, old Nicodemus, he came to Christ by night. Every time he mentioned him, he comes, it says Nicodemus who came by night. And our Lord said, oh my, you must be born again. Nicodemus, he was a, he was a ruler of the Jews. He was of the Sanhedrin. And our, and our Lord said, don't you know these things? He ought to understood that. You remember that infant that was cast out in Ezekiel 16? That infant was cast out to the loathing of his person. He has never had his navel cut. He hadn't been washed off. He hadn't had nobody take and wash him off and clean him off. He had the blood and everything all over him. And, I, and it says that the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I saw you polluted in your blood. And I passed by you. And it, when did I pass by you? It was a time of love. Huh? And I said unto thee, live. Yea, I say unto thee, Live. <laughs> And then he said, I spread my skirt over you. I'll cover your nakedness with my skirt. Oh, my. And let me show you something. Not only have I, look what he said, I've made thee, but look what else he says. Before him whom he believed, God. You know, that's the thing about he believed God. He believed God. He believed God. Didn't believe some things about God. 
didn't believe there was a God, didn't believe that God just existed, that he was a higher power, he believed God. And let me tell you how that happened. Abraham dwelt where Baghdad is right now. That's where Abraham was. That's where Baghdad over in Iraq is. That's where Abraham was. That's where he, that's where he lived. And there are the counties over there. It's where he lived. And Abraham, God came to him and said, Abraham, look up. He looked up and said, see all them stars? Yes, sir. I said, yeah, I see them. He said, that's how many children you're going to have. And then he said, Abraham, look down at the Look at all this sand around you. Yeah, you see all that? He said, that's how many children you're going to have. He said, now I want you to leave there and I want you to go over here. And Abraham believed God and went out having no idea where he was going. Would you do that? If God took you out here and said, look at the stars. I'm going to have, you're going to have that many heavenly children. And the sand is the earthly children, earthly Israel. We're the spiritual Israel. We're the spiritual children. We're the stars. They're the earthly children. And he says, you know, and he said, Abraham, you go and go to a land of And he went out not knowing where he is going. Nobody does that. I got on an airplane knowing where I was going. I was coming to Flint, Michigan and coming on to Walmart. I know where I'm going. <laughs> People just don't get up and say, well, I believe I'll just head out and I don't know where I'm going, don't know where I'll end up. People don't do things like that. But Abraham did. And you know what Abraham did? He did that all the days of his life. He, he was looking for a city. He spent all the days of his life looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He said, when I find that, that's where I'm going to stay. And he believed God. Oh my, that, we just wouldn't do that. Get up and leave your farm. Get up and leave your home. Get up and leave. And Sarah, come on. I ain't going. You, if you go, you're going to have to go by yourself. That's what most women would say. If you're going to go, if you're going to move over there, I said, you're going to have to go by yourself. I'm not going to go with you. Well, no, no, God makes them willing. <laughs> if he didn't, it'd be a, but you know, he's Abraham, Sarah, and they, they, they went and they went and they went and they, his scripture said he never did have a dwelling place on this earth. And we ought to be like Abraham in this sense. That we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. Pilgrims and strangers. And you know, let me, let me take time out to say something here. I did, you know, my poor brain just runs away with me. But you know, when Christ died on, on the cross, there's three people that died that day. When Christ was crucified, I was crucified with him. I died with him. When Christ was crucified, the world was crucified under me. When Christ died, I was crucified under the world. The world don't hold no attraction for me, and the world has no and, 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 and the world has no attraction for me, and the world don't want me either. 
Huh? The world don't want me either. So we're crucified. The world don't want me and I don't want the world. What's in this world? But I know you have to go to work. I know you have to make a living. But ain't you grateful that you got some place to go to get out of the world? Some place to go to get that old feel. You know, people come tell me on Wednesday night. I said, I, I, said, I, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have Wednesday night to come to worship in. I said, you know, I go to work and by the time Wednesday comes along, I feel so filthy. I feel so unclean. I, I just feel I've been among all these worldly people and I feel so unclean. And I have to come here and get washed again. And oh my, people come straight from work, come right in there. But oh, he believed God. Do you believe God? I believe God. He cannot lie. He cannot change. I believe him. And you know what God told me to do? Told you to do? He said, believe on my son. You know one commandment God gave us over in John chapter 5? He said, this is the commandment that we've received of God, that you believe on the name of his son. God said, you believe my son. I sent my son. You believe on him. I sent my son to die in your room instead. You believe him. That's why our Lord said, you know, he said, you believe God, believe also me. Don't, don't, if you believe God, believe me. They said, oh, Abraham, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. He said, Philip, have I been with you such a long time and you've not seen me? For he that's seen me has seen the Father. And when you trust Christ, you're trusting God. He believed God. I believe God. You know, I'll tell you, systematic theology, all the theology starts out with this preposition. To prove the, you know, to prove that God exists. And I was up in, oh, where's it at? Somewhere down, Sterling Heights, Michigan one time. Down there at a meeting. And I was with another preacher and we was staying in this place and and these people came, started talking to us, and you know, said they didn't believe God. And so this fellow's going to stand up, stay up that night, and prove to them that God existed. <laughs> I said, "Man, save your breath to cool your coffee, because you ain't going to believe God exists. Either you believe He is, or you don't. You cannot prove the existence of God. You can't do it. You can't see Him. He inhabits eternity." And the only way we would ever see him was when he come to this earth and our Lord Jesus Christ was God. And so he come to this earth so he could make us, so we could see him, so we could relate to him in some way. But I tell you what, you can't see him, you can't prove his existence. You can't do it, it's being an impossibility. Either, you know, without faith it's impossible to please God. So what we do, we believe God. God is in fear. We tr Abraham said he was, he believed in him, listen to this, who is invisible. How do you believe in someone who's invisible? God gives you faith. <laughs> you know, but we do it, don't we? Huh? I can't prove the existence of God, but I believe he is. 
I believe he is as he says he is. I believe him as he presents himself. He said he, he said he's the, he, he, he inhabits eternity. And he says this. He says, you know, he said, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And I will do according to my will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no man can stay my hand or say unto me what I'm doing. Now, I believe that. I believe that his will is being done in heaven and in earth. I believe it's being done in hell even. And I've never laid eyes on him. And when I get to glory, the only God I'll ever see is the Lord Jesus Christ sitting on his throne. And when you see him, you'll see him as a lamb as it had been slain. Huh? Abraham believed God. He went out. Where are you going, Abraham? Sarah said, where are we going, Abraham? I don't have no idea. I'm just going in that direction. Going in that direction. You better hope God don't do that to you that way. I'm going to tell you a true story. I've got to hurry. i tell you what. It's just, I know you're getting hungry probably. I'll tell you a true story. I was in a meeting in, in Pastor Henry Mahan. And we went out to this restaurant to eat. And there was a couple visiting there from New Jersey. And they both had good, good, good jobs. And they come down there to that meeting and they wanted to move down there. And they wanted to be somewhere where the gospel was. They said, but we'll have to wait till, you know, we, our jobs get taken care of and all that stuff. And you know what Henry told them? He said, if God ever becomes everything to you and the gospel becomes everything to you, you'll walk away from them jobs, you'll walk away from that, and you'll go where the gospel's at. And both of them quit and moved down there in about three months. He said, you just, he said, if you're just talking. And that's what God said to Abraham. God's not just talking to us just to have something to say. God says this. And this is where you're going to go and this is what you're going to do. I left Ohio and come to Tennessee. Bruce Crabtree is in Tennessee and went to Indiana. Now, why didn't God keep Bruce Crabtree in Tennessee to preach down there and let me start a, you know, bless me to start a work in Ohio. That's not the way God does things. Why did God bring a fellow from Oregon all the way to Michigan? Huh? He said, go when you go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And listen, you know, you, you keep your stakes real, real loose. Don't drive your stakes too down in this world because just as sure as you drive them down, God's going to do something to pull them stakes up. And listen, I'll tell you this much. Your children belong to God. Your homes belong to God. Everything you got belongs to God. And anytime he wants to, he can come and get it. And you better hope he don't have to break your arm to take it away from you. But he'll do it, won't he? He'll take the most precious thing in your life one of these days and your heart will break and you'll cry and you'll weep but you'll say, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. Ain't that right? Yeah, he believed God. He believed God.
And then look what else it says there. He believed God who raised the dead. Uh, his fa- he said, I'll make you the father of many nations before him who quickeneth the dead. Who quickens the dead. He believed God would quicken the dead. Y'all remember the story very well about Abraham. And look over here in Hebrews 11. Let me, let's look at this together. Abraham, you know, God told him to take his son, his only son. And you go up to the mountain that I'll show you. And you take your only son. And you offer him there. You offer him there to me. And you know, you remember when Abraham, it took him three days journey to go up there. And they started up that mountain. But Abraham did say this before he ever started out. He said, took his service, said, you all stay here. And I and the lad are going up to the mountain. We're going up there to worship. And we'll come again. Now he's going to take his son up there. And the scripture says that he put him on the altar. He fastened to the altar. And he had the wood. And he was just fixing to draw back the knife to slit his son's throat. Because God said, offer your son. About that time, God stopped him. God stopped him. Because he believed that if God, he did slay that boy, that God would give him life back because me and the boy is going up here to worship and we're coming again. And that's exactly what it says here in Hebrews 11. Look what it says here. Look what it says now there in verse 17. By faith, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting or believing that God, able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figure. What he was saying was that if I do that, God's going to give that boy life because all the promises is in him. Christ is going to come from him. Me, him, and Jacob. So he took that boy up there. And he told the truth. Said, we, will go up, we, we, we went up there and worshiped. And you know, some farmer down there had a bunch of sheep. One of them rams got loose, went up on that mountainside. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm talking now. You know, I'm just kind of. I don't know if this happened or not, but just to say somebody had a bunch of sheep and they opened the gate and the ram got out. Ram got up there and got caught in that thicket. Abraham said, stopped him. And he looked around, there's this ram caught in the thicket. And he took that ram and put him in Isaac's stead. And that's what God did. He took his blessed son and put him in our stead. And we get to get up off the altar, given new life in Christ. And that's what he did. He believed if God's going to kill him, God's got to give him life. God's got to give him life. And I tell you what, God raised the dead. There's three types of dead people in the New Testament that Christ raised up. First of all, there was Jairus' daughter. She's 12. She's just a child. Wasn't very sinful, wasn't very corrupt, but she's still lost. And she was dead. She's dead. Christ went in there. And they, he said, she's not dead, she's asleep. I'm going to wake her up. 
And she and they just laughed him to scorn and said, Oh my goodness, she is dead. What are you talking about sleep? He just got her by the hand and said, I say unto thee, arise. She came up. The second person that Christ raised from the dead was a widow woman. She had a boy. He was about 21 years old. She had a son. One son. And that was the only child she had. And they put him in his casket. Had him wrapped up. They put him in his casket. And they was on their way to the graveyard with that boy. Great crowd was following her. And then as death is walking out, life is walking in. And he stopped that funeral procession. He said, stop. He looked into that box. I say unto thee, arise. And that boy got up out of that, out of that box, got out of that casket, and he took him by the hand and said, woman, here's your son. And he was... His older, more corrupt, more sinful, but he's still dead. And then there's Lazarus. Oh, Lazarus. He'd been dead four days. Christ let him die. He said, I, can't. He said, I said, he's going to die for the glory of God. And he laid there dead. And, and Martha, you know, our Lord said, he said, go up there and remove the stone. And Martha, she wasn't worried about him stinking. She was worried about her you know, her reputation and I don't want to be embarrassed and I don't want my brother to be embarrassed and don't want, you know. He said, roll away the stone. said, Lord, if we do, he's stinking. He's been dead four days. He was corrupt. Really corrupt. And Christ stood there. Lazarus! Come forth! Here he come. How can he walk through them grave clothes on? <laughs> we all was born with grave clothes on. <laughs> but when Christ called us, you know, he said, take them off, take them off. And that's what they started doing. They started taking them off. And we've been taking off grave clothes ever since. <laughs> but I tell you, that's the way all those, but all, the thing is, all of them was dead. And Christ is the only one who can give them life. And that's why Christ raised him up. And like I've already told you, one of these days he's going to raise us up. Oh, what a blessed, glorious day. I, we got three ladies that sing down home. What a day, what, what a day that'll be. When Jesus I shall see, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, what a day that'll be. Oh, my. Huh? Well, and let me, this is my last point. I'll tell you what, I, whew, I bet you all glad, ain't you? <laughs> oh my, I'm just, I, and our Lord raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh my, mm. put him up there, set him up there at his right hand. I'm satisfied with him. I accepted everything he did. And oh my, set him at his right hand. Raised up Christ. And then look what else it says. He believed God who quickens the dead. And I, this is what I like right here. And calleth those things which be not. He calls things that don't even exist. Things that don't even enter our mind or anybody else's mind. He calleth those things that don't even exist as though they do. 
<laughs> Cause those things to be not as though they were. Huh? Things that ain't even happened yet. He's done called them. Huh? <laughs> There's a verse of scripture over in Ephesians that says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly what we think. Now we can think awful big. Can't we? we can think big. Oh, our minds can think big. We can really think big. And he says, well, he can do more than what we can think. Exceedingly abundantly of what we think. And we can ask for some big things. We can ask for some awful big things. But he can do exceedingly abundantly of anything we can think. Or anything we can ask for. He always gives more. Huh? Always gives more. Huh? (laughs) You think... Anybody here doing without? I live from hand to mouth. God's hand to my mouth. And that's the way we live. Huh? It's like that fella, you know, he said, I won't take all my money with me when I die. His wife said, okay, I'll see that you get it. Put him in the casket. She come up to the casket, wrote a check, put it in there. <laughs> That's all you're going to take with you. You're taking the rest of it with you. Ain't that right? We're going to all leave it behind. This is a true story to it. I've got to tell it before I sit down. You all know Brad Harmon very, very well. Brad. He's preaching for me today. And uh, Brad, years, of, years and years ago, he had a new firebird. And he is out there polishing on that firebird, making that thing all shine up and everything like that. And Scott Richardson walked up to him one day and said, Brad, God's going to burn that thing up one of these days. You know what he did? He went and sold it. <laughs> so, you know, the next time you go to somebody's house and they want, you know, let, let me show you this wonderful house I've got and all this wonderful stuff I've got and all that. Just remember... God's going to burn it up. Yeah. But he's not going to burn us up. We're going to glory. We're going to leave it all behind.